0: That if we're not careful, we can lose sight of the things that really matter. And so, a couple of weeks ago, I started um, our series, The Main Thing, by talking about no God. The most important thing in life is no God. And then last week, we looked at cherish your family. And the third one is where I'm at today, and today I want to talk about love your church. Now, some of you might be saying, hey, Rog, really? Like the top three most important things in life are know God. Yeah, we're cool. Check that. Yeah. Cherish your family. Yeah, we're, we're good with that. But I mean, you know, we like the church, but really? Third on the list? This coming Friday, Friday the 13th, as it turns out, right? Friday the 13th of May marks 60 years from the day I asked Christ to come into my life and be my Savior. So, the 13th of May, it was a Sunday then, 1962, okay? It's in the history books for some of you, all right? So, so that, that, that was the day I committed my life to Christ. I was, I was a few weeks before my 12th birthday. And, and for me, from that time on in my life, I was part of a good church, and I got more and more connected, and church became more and more a part of my life. When I graduated high school, I went to a Bible college slash seminary and spent two years there. When I was 20 years old, I started pastoring my first church. July will be 52 years now that I've been pastoring. Now, I either believe in church or I wasted my life, right? (laughs) Right? I either passionately believe in church or or what the heck. I passionately believe in church. And I truly believe that being part of a church you love is an incredible pillar in your life, or that it could be or should be, even though you might not see it here this morning. Now, now, never mind what I think, because you might say, well, he's biased, that's what he does. Let, Let me illustrate this a different way. Walt Disney died while his theme park in Florida was actually under construction, he, never, he was never there, he wasn't there at the opening. But at the opening of his theme park, someone said to his widow, what a pity Walt didn't see this day. And she replied, if he hadn't seen it, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> he did see it, he did see it. Now let me take that then onto this. In the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 5 and verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. The Bible is saying here, when Jesus died, Jesus died with the church in mind. The church didn't exist when Jesus died, any more than than Disney's place. I forget if it's land or world in Florida. They all merge into one. You you know the one I'm talking about, right? Whatever the Florida one is. You, You know, he never saw it with his physical eyes, but that was what he had committed so much of his life to. And when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says he gave himself for the church. He was looking down through the course of time and saw a whole community of God-loving people worldwide who were called the church, and Christ died because He wanted the church to become a reality, and He wanted us to have the benefits of knowing and being part of a church that becomes a foundational part of our lives. Jesus didn't just die so that we could go to heaven. Jesus died so we could be part of his family here on earth. And so, what does love your church look like? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to take some time to answer that now. And and there there are three things, and most of you know that's the way I think when it comes to preaching. There there are three things that I just want to share with you about loving your church. The first is love your church community. Love your church community. That is the people that are part of church. Church isn't just a service you go to on a Sunday morning. It's a family of people that you belong to. That's good. You're warming up. I'll give you time, all right? But, 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 it, but it is. It, it is. There, sadly, there's, there's just one English word, church, but it actually... Is used to translate two totally different words in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in. And there is the Greek word ecclesia, which literally means called out ones. That's talking about the people who are the church. And then there's another word, kuriakos, which is, means belonging to the Lord, but that word was always used of the building. And we sometimes, you know, we we get the two. We use the one word for both. So, so where are you going today? I'm going to church. What do you mean? You're going to this address, maybe? Or you could mean you're going to this group of people. And, and it's 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 easy to get confused. And then, and then, of course, you've got the really kind of holier than thou people who don't worry; they'll correct you. The church isn't the building, you know. Hey, I want to tell you, if any, if any church knew that the church isn't the building, this church does, yeah. because we did 15 years without a building, <laughs> right? In 15 years, we worshiped in 13 different locations on Sundays, <laughs> so trust me, we know that the church isn't the building. The church is the place where the church hangs out. And if that confuses you, I apologize, but that's as confusing as it is. It's about far more than that. Um, The church is the people, but a building is a huge help. Love your church community. Just before Jesus died, he actually told his disciples what his followers would be known for. And in John's Gospel, chapter 13 and verse 35, here's what he says. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Here's how people will know that you belong to me. Here's what's gonna make you as a church stand out that you have love one for another. Now, the thing is this. Outside of this place, outside of here this morning, We've got family members, many of us do, who who are a drain on us. We've got relationships that are difficult. Some of us have got more bills than we have money to pay them. Some are battling with habits and with addictions that keep haunting you. We have prayers that haven't received answers yet. We've got discouragement in multiple areas. The problems of this life can be overwhelming. And sometimes we begin to think, you know, what's wrong with me? My life doesn't seem to be working out. It seems as if God doesn't care about me like he cares for other people. Maybe we feel like, you know, I'm in this all by myself, and I'm, I've, I've got to just work it all out for myself. And that's why we need community. We need each other so that there are people around us who care, People around us who can encourage. People around us who can say, you think your life sucks? Let me tell you about mine. (laughs) We need community. We really do. Don't quote me on that one. I could get in trouble. In in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says this. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. Instruct and direct. Help each other. Encourage each other. Build each other up. You, you know, it's… it's I'm, a, I'm a totally Bible-based, Bible-believing preacher, okay? Now, I'm saying that because what I'm going to say next, if you don't know me, might cause you to wonder, Okay? So, so, so here's the thing, it's good for us to delve into the deep truths of the Bible, but a lot of us here this Sunday morning already know plenty of the Bible to keep us going till we see Jesus. What we really need to do is just start working it out and living it. Okay, is that a low blow? Jesus never said, a new commandment I give you, learn as much scripture as you possibly can. He said, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. You know what that means? Love your church. Who's one another? We're one another. So, So we need to love our church community. And part of loving one another is showing up for one another. It's being around for one another. It's being here for one another. Did you hear the one another phrase? We're not just here for us. We're here for one another. You say, well, what, what do you mean by that? I, I hardly know anybody here at the moment, and I, I hardly talk. You've got no idea, and I've got no idea. I've got no idea what God does here on a Sunday morning. I just know God does stuff. And now and again, I'll hear something from somebody and say, wow, that's pretty cool. But you've got no idea. You may say, well, I, I really don't, hardly know anybody who come in and probably said hello to a few people. I wonder if one of the people you said hello to and smiled to was feeling kind of alone and uncared for and dejected today. And the fact is your smile and just the fact you acknowledge them actually made a difference to their morning. I don't know. But I want to tell you, showing up is a very significant thing. It really is. Word to those of you that are online. Uh, in fact, Two words, well, more than two words, but two things. All right, one is this. If you're not physically near us and can't be here, hey, do me a favor. Every now and again, whatever medium you're watching on, why don't you say, hi, we're we're watching and we're here from wherever. Let folks know you're here. Let them know you're part of us. And if you're watching online because you opted for an easy option today, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. No, really. It's like, you know what, I had a late night last night, I'm going to watch it online. And it's like, no, 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 no. Please don't shortchange us. We want to see you. We want to interact with you. We want you to be part of us. And part of loving community is showing up. God never intended us to live in isolation. There's, a, there's an interesting story. I love this story in, in, in the Old Testament. It's a story about Elijah the prophet who has this um, contest with, with the, the, the prophets of, of Baal, who was a false god. And they have this huge contest to try to prove who's the real God. And, and what happens is, of course, you know, God won because he always does, right? Which means Elijah won, and then they actually, you know, they slaughtered all the prophets of Baal. Don't ask me about that bit. I'm just telling you what happened. They They killed all the prophets of Baal. And when the queen, whose name was Jezebel, wonderful name, when Queen Jezebel found out about it, she said, he's going to be dead within 24 hours. And Elijah went from this great sort of victory to being terrified for his life and he ran away as far as he could. And and here's what it says in 1 Kings 19.9. When he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. Then the word of God came to him. So Elijah, what are you doing here? Here he was, miles away all by himself. And the angel says, so what are you doing here? And, And here's his reply. I've been working my heart out for the God of angel armies. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Now, here's the thing. At the time he ran away, actually, everybody was celebrating the greatness of God. But his fear... Because of Jezebel's threat. And his fatigue, because he'd just been through some incredible experience, clouded his vision. And so he ran. I just want to tell you this. Isolation is never the answer. Because God never intended we would live alone. God intended we would live in community. And the community that he gave us is the community Christ died for. Christ died for the church. So God says to Elijah, let me just correct you here politely, but here's the deal. Verse 18 He said, I'm preserving for myself 7,000 souls. Hello, you who feel alone. I've got 7,000 people there. Their knees haven't bowed to the God Baal. Their mouths haven't kissed His image. It's like, Elijah, you've got things all out of whack here. And it's easy to get things out of perspective when you're isolated. God didn't make us to be isolated and separated. God made us for community. That's why the Bible says, don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. It's warning us not to isolate ourselves from one another. I want to say this. I'm totally convinced of this. Church is a habit for many of us, but it's a very good habit. A very good habit. It's a fruitful habit. It's a happy habit. Please feel free to say amen at the end of any of these statements. But, but, right? is it, but, but isn't that the case? It really is. And and you know what? Where we've been over the last few years, for a lot of folks, that habit has been broken. And when you break the habit, uh, the fact is you fill the time with other things and they become your habit. And what some of us need to do is to really get back into the habit of church being part of our lives. Because we're in a better place and we are stronger when church is our habit. I'm disappointed for so many for whom the habit has been broken. But that's where we're at. And the fact is, we'll continue to move forward. We're in a different place as a church than we were just over two years ago. But I think we're in a good place and we're in a healthy place. And during that six-month period when we had no services, and I preached for six months to 350 empty chairs every Sunday, and we live-streamed it, during that period, there was a Bible verse that became very, very prominent in my thoughts, and it's, it's, it's a verse from the Old Testament book of Haggai, good luck finding it, chapter 2 and verse 9 that says this, It says, "'The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house,' says the Lord Almighty. "'And in this place I will grant peace,' declares the Lord Almighty." Don't live your life looking back to how things were. Let's live our lives looking forward to how things are going to be. And God's promise is the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. So don't give up meeting together, the Bible says, but encourage one another. Encourage one another. That's part of what church does. That's why why we need to be part of a church that we love, because in the context of church family, we find encouragement. Everybody is going through something. Everybody needs encouragement. And the natural tendency is to isolate ourselves, whereas the smart thing to do is to lean into church family. Make the effort to stay connected for your sake And for our sakes, too. Love your church community. And then, love your church culture. What does that mean? Well, let me, I like this definition. A guy called Sam Chan, who's a church consultant, whatever that is. And um, Sam Chan says this, that a church culture is the atmosphere in which the church functions. It's the prevalent attitude. It's the collage of spoken and unspoken messages. Love the atmosphere. This, this, I was talking to a lady, oh, I don't know, a year or two ago now, and um, often when, when I, I meet someone who's new, um, particularly when they've been a couple of times, I'll ask them the question, what was it particularly that impressed you and made you feel you wanted to come back? And this lady said, I don't know. And, and here's what she said. She, yeah, that was helpful, right? But here's what she said. She said, it just feels different. I like that. It, that's the church culture. It's like, I just feel just the whole atmosphere and the whole tone. That's the culture of the church. You need to be in a church culture that you love. Listen, every church is different. Because if you look around you, everybody around you looks different than you look. And they are different than you are. And so every group of people who make up a church family is going to be different from another church family. It's interesting in the the opening chapters of the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus sends messages to seven churches. But it's a different message to every church because they're all different. By the way, there are three things he says to them all. One is he says, I know your deeds in Revelation 2.2. 2. He says that to all seven. I know your deeds. And then he says to them all, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. And then he uses this phrase to them all, to, to, the, to the one who is victorious. So here's, here's what I'm drawing from that. That for every one of these churches and for every church, Jesus wants them to know, number one, He's a part of them. I know what you're doing. Number two, He wants them to hear His voice. And number three, He wants them to be successful. But every church is different. Our, our, the culture of this church is different. If you're visiting us from the, for the first time today, you may be just trying to figure out what the heck… And that's okay. We're different by design. We plan to be different from day one. What was the point of creating a church that was the same as the churches that other people decided they don't want to go to already? We're different by design. So what does church culture mean here at Genesis? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of things. Church culture means we value everyone. We respect everyone. We accept everyone. That's part of our church culture. By the way, if some of you, back to those of you that are visiting, you say, shouldn't he be talking about women and and mothers and ladies and things like that? And it's like, I did that last week, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I got my timing wrong. But I did think it might be helpful for those that are new to us today just to get some idea of, of how we are. And I thought it might be good for all of us who are part of this church to remind ourselves of our unique identity. So we value everyone, we respect everyone, we accept everyone. Part of our culture is there is no pressure. We don't try anybody tell anybody how they ought to be. I'll just do my best to get my own life where God wants it, right? And and, and I'll leave God to sort you out. Is that okay? And that means that there's no pretense either. We don't have to put on a, a mask. No pressure, no pretense. And there's no politics. We're just people who are connected to one another. There's no hierarchy here. I met a wonderful lady at the end of service last Sunday. She said this She said, This is my second week here, but I wanted to meet you in person and tell you you are amazing. I wanted you to know that. Okay, I thought you'd know, I... all. <laughs> and just in case you didn't know. And, and, and my reply was, no, I'm not. I, I'm ordinary. I'm ordinary. We're all equally of value to God. We really are. There's no hierarchy here. There's no politics. There's nobody vying for position. We're friends. We're family together looking to serve God and to serve God's purposes. That's part of our church culture. In Philippians 2 verse 3, it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. That's Genesis. That's Genesis. That's our culture. Now, it doesn't suit any everybody, and, and that's okay. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. But the truth is, if it suits you, we want you to come in the door, throw your coat on a chair, kick your shoes in the corner, settle down on the sofa, exhale deeply and say, I'm home. I'm home. Come to think of it, if you keep your shoes on, that would be (laughs) preferable. I'm home. You know why we're home? Because you're in the Father's house. That's what Jesus called it, because you're in Father's house, you're home. I met a wonderful lady a few weeks ago, and she was visiting with us and said, I just want to see how you do church here. She's a Christian lady, but came from a totally different background and church tradition from ours, one that I'm reasonably familiar with, and, and I chatted with her, and uh, I said, it's going to be different, you know. She said, yeah, I just want to see what you like. But I know that this particular group she belongs to don't believe that women should have any role in, in leadership or in church ministry. So I said to her, well, one thing today you're going to find very different is we're going to have a woman preaching. And she was aghast at that. But God bless her, she stayed. Faith preached a blinder that Sunday morning now, she didn't come back, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. She's found a church setting that works for her, and that's good. You know, I can't, you know, we, 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 we can't be everything that everybody wants, or we will be a mishmash of nothing. Right? So it's like, this is us, and this is how we are. And, and trust me, that's got a lot easier as the years have gone by. But in our formative years, there were some real battles, over our identity. And, and I like to think I'm one of the most easygoing guys that's out there. And you said amen. But, but as my wife will attest, I can be the most stubborn so and so out there too. Because. Lord Jesus. Because, because here's the thing, God dropped a vision in my heart for church, and I'm going to stick with that vision and not somebody else's version. Amen. So trust me, in the early years, there were a lot of people who tried to pull us in different directions. I had a conversation with, with a couple one day who, who, who were playing some key roles in the life of our church, and they, they started telling me what's wrong about the way I'm doing church, what's wrong with me what they think I need to do to change everything, and, and I, you know, I listened to it all, and I, I thanked them for taking the time, and I said, I'm changing nothing. We are the way we are, and we will continue to be the way we are. And the, the woman jumped right up out of her chair and said, you know what, you're full of, and she said a bad word, and, 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 and she stormed out the door, and just before she did, she called her husband and said, hey, come on, we're leaving, right? But that's Okay. But that's okay. Those battles needed to be fought so that we'd be where we are today. You've got to be in a church culture that you love. And if, you know, if, 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 if you, you know, this might not be the one that works for you, and if it isn't, you've got to find the one that works for you. And if this is the one that works for you, then, then treasure it. Sow everything you can into it. Love your church culture. And then thirdly, time's going here. Love your church's commission. Love. We need to be part of a church where we totally identify where, where, what that church is about. Now, now, since I probably haven't said this for about a month, let me remind you what we're about. And and I do that over and over again, because otherwise we can veer off course a little, and before you know it, a year or two down the road, we're not who we're meant to be. And if you're never sure what we're about, just read the long wall outside in the cafe, okay? Just read the long wall. If you didn't check that out yet, read the long wall out there. I'll tell you what it says. It says, for the unconnected, the disconnected, or those just plain disappointed with church, we exist in the words of Jesus to seek and to save those that are lost. Amen. That's our mission. That's what we're committed to. You know, every, churches have different emphases and different focuses, and, and it, it's, it's all good. You know, some churches absolutely, totally focus on music. It's a huge thing with them, special music events, this, that, and... and that's fine. That's them. Others are like teaching. They've got teaching classes you know, all the time. Da, 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 da. That, that's the way they are. Others are education, and thank God we've got some good Christian schools in churches around us. Some churches are strong on counseling. We're really not, but I know a good Christian counselor if you need one, and I'll refer you to somebody who can do the job rather than me mess up your life, okay? So, <laughs> Some churches are strong on social issues. Some have strong singles ministries. Some have strong seniors ministries. Here's what our focus on. Our focus is outreach. Our focus is the people who don't know Jesus yet. Our focus is those that are hurting. Our focus is people who, who are looking to find purpose. Our focus is those who feel that they're alone in life and have no future at all. That's where our focus Our focus is not what goes on in here on a Sunday. Our focus is on what happens outside of these walls when service is over on a Sunday. And that's why so much of what we do is focused on serving the needs of our own community and, and, and of meeting needs in ministries in other countries and in other areas as well. Jesus told his disciples in Mark ten verse, uh, Matthew 10 and verse 8, he said, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. So basically he said, you've received freely from me, now go give it away to those that are in need of it. That's what the church should exist for. That's the mission of this church. It's what we exist to do. Mark 3 verse 14 says, Jesus settled on 12, that is disciples. He designated them His apostles. The plan was that they would be with Him and He would send them out to proclaim the Word. Two things, they'd be with Him and He'd send them out. They'd be with him and he'd send them out. You know what we're doing this morning? We're spending time with the Lord. So we are with him and then he sends us out and we go back out into our world and and we'd be an influence for God and for good with those that we interact with and connect with in this world. That's why church is far more about what we can add to the vision than it is about what's church doing for me? We're not consumers, we're contributors. The main thing. Man, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine life without being connected to a church family that I love. I really can. not I really can. And when I talk about the main thing, Knowing God comes first off, of course. Cherishing family is right up there. But love your church is a key one too. And I want to say this, if church has not been a part of your life, or if church has become a casual thing for you, I want to encourage you this Sunday morning, make a commitment in your heart to God and say, I'm really going to work at it becoming part of church family. It may not be this one. And and you know what? I'm okay with that if this church doesn't work for you. There's some ter- terrific churches, a lot of them, around us. But we need to be a part of church family. And that doesn't just mean coming all the time. It means some other things. It means committing ourselves to helping to make the vision happened. And we've got so much going on in-house and out from here that there are tons of opportunities to become a part of what we're about as a church family. Love your church. Love your church. As I said, I've pastored for 52 years. It will be in July. And I mentioned this morning to some folks that I have never been happier pastoring. I am today. For those of you that are a committed part of this church family, I want to say I'm just blessed personally to call you my friends and for us to be serving Jesus together. And if you're… If you you are visiting with us today, I, I want to openly invite you to consider becoming a part of this church family and just committing in your heart and saying, yeah, yeah, I wanna be a part of this because I totally believe it's one of the main things that we need in life. Let's pray together.